The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Pet Panorama with your host, Dr. Julie Mayer. Your pet is often referred to as your best friend, yet when it comes to their health care, sometimes we don't understand all of the options that are available to keep them healthy and living a good quality life as long as possible. In our program, we will explain and explore the best care possible, and we invite your participation as well. Now, here is Dr. Julie Mayer. Welcome, welcome all you pet lovers. I'm Dr. Julie Mayer, your host, and I'm a holistic veterinarian. I'm certified in veterinary acupuncture, chiropractic, and canine rehabilitation. Um, So last episode, we talked about how to read pet food labels. So I hope all of you are enlightened and you take notes and have been shopping around and really turning the bag over, turning the can over, and looking at the backside where there's a lot of information. And we went over all the good stuff um, at that time. So uh, today we're going to talk about some um, updated research and new discoveries. And one of my good colleagues, good friend, uh, Dr. Jean Dodd, some of you may uh, know her. She's, She's kind of a holistic veterinarian, but very scientific because she has her own laboratory where she runs blood tests and titers and things like that. Um, It's called Hemopet. So um, she's also doing what's called the Rabies Challenge, and she's doing the research to um, try to prove and design that there's um, a rabies vaccine that can last about 8 to 10 years. So kudos to her. So her book is fantastic. Well, she's got a lot of books out, but the latest book that she has is called Canine Nutrigenomics. So it's fascinating information. And it doesn't just talk about DNA. There's um, a lot of the information that I presented already. She does talk about the AAFCO definitions and, you know, raw and cooked foods and stuff like that. So um, she's also um, uh, an advocate for and she helps design the protocols for the AHA and the AVMA, so all these associations for veterinarians of vaccine protocols. So she's a wonderful person to know, and she's very knowledgeable, and um, she's a good person. So uh, love the book. Um, I also did some research on it, and uh, nutrigenomics, you're probably like, well, what, (laughs) what is that? And exactly, this is very new, and, and the research is in its infancy, but it's very exciting information and um, technology and what can be happening to us and our pets in the future. So nutrigenomics is the study of foods and food constituents um, on gene expression, which is DNA. So it aims to develop means to optimize nutrition with respect to the living being's own genotype. So as you recall, there's DNA and, you know, there's a 
Helix, Matrix, and all kinds of cool stuff going on there. And genes are, uh, 90% of the genes are our own individual blueprint, okay, with this DNA. So unless you're identical twins, then you actually have, the twins will have the same blueprint. 2% is um, it, our makeup of the epigenome. So that's kind of a new word for a lot of people. Um, epigenome is different kinds of genes, but these genes are not just a blueprint. So you can't change the blueprint, but these epigenome genes are controlled by the environment, food, and toxins. So that's really important. So now the scientists and researchers are thinking, how can, can we make food manipulate the epigenome? And how would we do that? And what kinds of foods? And again, there's a lot of um, what, 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 how, 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 but the research, again, is in its infancy. And there's new discoveries of food um, as information. So they're calling food information. Gene expression can be modified by the action of nutrients. And remember last time, last session, we talked about nutrients versus ingredients, right? So can these genes be modified by the action of the nutrients and the bioactive food compounds? So they're asking these questions and they're trying to do the research to find these answers. Different diets should elicit different patterns of gene expression and uh, metabolite production. Um, obviously, hopefully, to the benefit of the host, the person, the pet. When certain foods can send signals to the genes, then this is a form of personalized nutrition and targeted nutrition based on each individual's own genotype. So this could be huge. And again, this, you know, this is going to take a long time to develop because um, we want to make sure that we're treating the, the genes right and we're turning the right genes on and the right, you know, those wrong genes off. So um, very, very interesting that almost like everybody has a blood type and when you do get a blood transfusion, you want to obviously have the same blood type. So very, very interesting. Um, but again, the research is still underway and um, but we'll all be around to be able to see some outcomes and hopefully we can manipulate everybody's genes. So these researchers are investigating how nutrition influences the metabolic pathways and the homeostatic control and how intervention with nutrition can return the patient to health. That's huge, huge. Maybe we can eliminate some of these pharmaceuticals and, you know, who knows, maybe the pharmaceutical industry will be less and less and less and less if we can manipulate it with foods. And again, nutrients, real foods. These foods are called functional foods. So you may hear that um, I was on, I, I stay up late, do YouTube, I tend to Google and Dr. Google as I call it. And I look around and I look for some research and such. But there's, if you're interested in this nutrigenomics, there's a lot of videos on YouTube about it. And not for pets mainly, but obviously the research is going to start in the human industry. So very interesting, these functional foods, they're called that because they will keep people and pets healthy according to their individual needs. So I think this is great. I think, I think this is very exciting, and I, I'm um, going to stay on top of the, this topic and, and follow the research. So today we're going to talk about um, 
raw and cooked foods, home cooking. And I just want to give you a reminder of, um, you know, some highlights that I touched on last uh, episode and the episode prior. Um, When food is processed and heated to 117 degrees or more, proteins can coagulate and sometimes with glucose, so they can become these, these big molecules and they can be indigestible and they can become a food allergen um, or they, if they're not digested, they may actually be a meal for bad bacteria in the gut. So you know how you have good bacteria and bad bacteria in the gut and there's this whole ecosystem going on in there? Well, we want a balance of the gut. And don't forget, as I mentioned in the first episode, that 80% of the immune system comes from the gut. So we really have to pamper the gut, take care of the gut, um, and make sure that we're feeding the gut good stuff as well. So we have to keep that in mind. The protein molecular structure is denatured at, again, 117 degrees or more, which may result in a deficiency of essential amino acids. Essential means that... um, we need to eat it, okay? We need to get it from external sources of food um, that we do not produce those. Our body cannot make essential amino acids, so that's very important. And there's essential fats as well. Essential, again, meaning that we have to ingest it. Carbohydrates can become caramelized and rendering them undigestible. Lectins, um, which can result from processed grains, they are pro-inflammatory. And we know, we, everybody knows about inflammation, especially here in the desert. It's hot. It, it tends to aggravate inflammation in our bodies. So we really want to try to minimize the inflammation in our bodies. Inflammation is good because it helps us fight diseases. But at the same time, sometimes the body doesn't know how to shut off. So allergies are inflammatory, um, cystitis, which is inflammation of the bladder, um, uveitis, which is inflammation of the eye. Intestines would be, you know, inflammatory disease, which is IBD. Um, so there's a lot of inflammation that we see in our patients. And, you know, we, ha- we don't want to add to put fire on the fire. So we definitely want to pay attention to processed foods. 30 to 50% of the vitamins and minerals are destroyed. 100% of the enzymes are damaged, so it's always good to add a digestive enzyme, especially if your pet is a little older. Free radicals are produced. Free radicals are um, unpaired electrons, and they're very dangerous to other cells and to the DNA, so you don't want um, mutations to occur because mutations can turn into cancer. Um, Inorganic minerals and matter enter the blood, and they can settle in the organs and vessels and never leave. So as we go through today and um, in our previous episodes, we just keep wanting to think about food as ingredients going into the body, but what kind of quality comes out? What kind of ingredients? Again, we talked about nutrients versus ingredients. So I want to talk about... These processed foods, they're great, they're convenient, um, they can be nutrition, nutritious, they can support the bodies, but again, what is, you know, thriving and what is living, okay? So surviving and thriving, those are two different things. And I want to talk a little bit about commercial foods versus homemade foods. And homemade foods could be raw or cooked, and we'll get into that a little bit. So obviously commercial foods are convenient, 
they're well balanced because there's AAFCO definitions, as we talked about last episode, and um, there's protocols to follow, and there's you know vitamins and minerals sprayed on and added to these stored foods. Foods uh, processing lowers equi- uh, quality, and again, it's hard to prove the bioavailability of some of these um, processed foods. Premium dog foods are 82 to 86 percent digestible. Economy foods, I don't know the definition between, um, you know, what this author is saying about premium versus economy, um, but I would say lesser expensive foods may be poor quality foods. They're 75% digestible. Um, obviously, commercial foods will have preservatives, additives, stabilizers, colorants, all, all kinds of different things added. So also what's really interesting, which which you may not know, is many people are involved in the production of pet food. Not, so home-cooked, it's you and the grocery store, right? Um, raw, it's you and the grocery store. So many people are involved in the production. Um, we all think that one factory makes our commercial pet foods, but that is not the case. Ingredients come in. They could come in from other countries. They could come in from other parts of the United States, Then they could be just mixed and processed and put through the extruders we talked about last time. And that batch may actually go to another facility where they package it. So another facility just does packaging. All right. They have the bags and the labels and all that. And then a third party is the shipping. And then there's a fourth party who's the storage. So, it, so actually the food may be in this huge factory before it even goes to the, to the stores, to the pet stores, the grocery stores, and where you buy your food, online. So if you have all of these people involved in this whole process, you know, from ingredients to your dog's bowl, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. There's a lot of regulations out there, and I'm going to mention some new um, new things that are occurring, which are fun. But you have to think about that. Everything is not made in one factory. So even though you don't have salmonella or you have no bacteria going into those ingredients, there can be contamination all the way down the road. What if that truck that's carrying a whole you know semi full of dog food, what if that truck breaks down and sits on the highway at 114 degrees in Arizona. All those omega-3 fatty acids, they're going to spoil. And nobody's going to look at that food, and it's going to go to the warehouse, and then it's going to go to the pet stores. So we really have to think about this stuff. Homemade food, it may not be well-balanced, but there's more and more ways to come around that, okay? There's vitamins that you can add. There's supplements, which we'll talk about next um, episode. There's a lot of other things that you could do to supplement and to make sure that it is fortified and it's very nutritious. So it's time-consuming. It's It may be a little bit more expensive, but not really. Gosh, this the pet food industry, the, the I'm just amazed at how expensive the pet food is nowadays. So it's probably pound to pound is probably um, almost equal. Um, it's more wholesome. It's quality. It's digestible. Like I said, you wouldn't eat a um, TV dinner every night, the same TV dinner morning and night 
for the rest of your life, right? So we know that TV dinners aren't very wholesome, but the real foods are. There's more of a variety, and this is huge. This is really huge, especially for pets that have these allergies, okay? Skin, um, intestine, what have you, you know, ear infections, the itis. And sometimes I'll tell the client, guess what? I have a diagnosis for you. Your pet has itis because it travels. It could go to different parts of the body. There's more variety. You are in control of the ingredients. You're in control of do you want organic or not. Depends on the cost. It depends on the family. So that's what's really important. That's the good thing about um, homemade versus commercial. So just remember, grocery store to the food bowl, there's not all of these middlemen in between. So it's really, I think, beneficial. I've been feeding raw forever. Um, My pit bull, I put her to sleep about a couple years ago at 16 and a half years of age, and I owned her for 15 of those years, and she ate raw every single day. Every single day. And it's fun. I had a good time. I like shopping for her. She ate way better than I did. And I could just throw a Cornish hen out and it's gone. Organs, bones, everything. So I have seen my greyhound. I've seen four of my dogs completely live a a great life, good quality life, on raw, 100%. Bones, all kinds. Chicken feet, you name it. And I have never had any problems. And I have to say, I've been in this business for a long time, and probably 80%, because I'm a holistic vet, so I'm going to see um, different kind of clients, 80% of those dogs that I've seen, maybe even 90, have never had an issue with raw. Now, I'm not saying that raw or even home-cooked is for every dog. Not saying that at all. So I just want you to, you know, listen to testimonials. I want you to listen to people. I want you to read a lot. And definitely Dr. Jean Dodds has a lot of information in this book. And she will talk about, you know, there are pathogens in raw. I mean, we can't deny that. There's pathogens in the eggs that we buy. There's pathogens in the lettuce that we buy. So we have recalls in bagged food and canned food will have recalls. So these pathogens are everywhere, and it's, it's about hygiene, and it's about being careful, and it's about what you buy and where you buy it. So I'm going to talk more after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune into Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso. 
to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We all have challenges each and every day. How do you relax and live in a calm state? On Chaos to Calm, we introduce you to the concept of Wrenchway, a path to feeling calmer and happier. Listen Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. are tuned in to Pet Panorama with Dr. Julie Mayer. We want to hear from you with your questions, stories, and comments. Please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Send your emails all week to Dr. Julie at petpanorama at gmail.com. That's petpanorama at gmail.com. Now, back to Pet Panorama. Okie dokie, here we are. So, um, let's segue into uh, cooking foods, and we'll kind of probably talk about both raw and cooked at the same time, just depends on what things pop into my head. Um, but cooking, uh, cooking food is very interesting. There's a lot of ways to cook foods, um, and... Some can be very traumatic, and some can be very kind. So we want to be kind to the food. If we overcook the food, then we, you know, we have ash, we have charred um, materials, if you will, and and the quality probably uh, would decrease. You know, the more intensely you cook it at higher temperatures, etc. So, so I have. Um, a nice little list here of cooking methods, the least traumatic to the most traumatic. And some of these I thought were kind of interesting because I didn't expect this, but um, I did find this in the literature that I've been reading. So as we talked about with processed foods, high temperatures and um, high pressures will decrease the bioavailability. And the bioavailability means, you know, the body is able to absorb it and use it. Rendering, as we discussed, as far as the AAFCO definitions, quiz, do you guys remember what the term, the AFCO term is for rendering and the description of the ingredients? It would have meal after it, okay? That means that the, the meat, basically, um, you remove the fat and the water, and, and, and it's a pretty traumatic process, and pretty much what you're going to have left is just a lot of, it's protein, and it's going to register as protein on the guaranteed analysis, but it's kind of like ash protein, okay? So cooking methods, least traumatic to most. So if you're going to cook for your pet, take this into consideration. So there's eight different methods. Raw, obviously, this is the least traumatic. 
you don't do much about raw. Um, sometimes I will kind of marinate some things in vinegar or um, lemon juice and things like that. It's not really cooking, but it does help. Uh, cook food, so cooked food with some marinating or brining. Okay, so raw is the least. Then you have marinating or brining, as I said that I would do occasionally. Microwave. Then lightly boiling, steaming, and poaching. So here where I thought, well, this is kind of interesting. Lightly boiling, steaming, poaching is more traumatic than microwave. Baking and roasting are more tra traumatic than boiling and more traumatic than microwave. Stir frying and braising. Then next down as far as most going towards the most traumatic is grilling and broiling. And then frying is the most traumatic. And I laugh because, you know, what is our fast food? Uh, everything is fried. Um, you can even go to, you know, the fairs and you get fried Twinkies and fried Oreo cookies. So kind of frightening. So obviously, if things are fried, grilled, and even stir-fried, you know, then we uh, lose some of the quality. So if you were to uh, do home-cooked or prepared raw, you want to um, formulate, you know, you're like, how do I feed it? How much of what do I feed? How much do I feed? So I have some guidelines. Um, if you are to make your own food, whether it's raw or cooked, you will want to use these recommendations as gui guidelines. This is by volume. So typically for healthy adult dogs, you want 60 to 75% um, protein, which is the meat. Now, on the earlier episodes, I talked about some pet food saying that, you know, it only had to be 25% meat. We don't want to equate in the dry matter, so in the kibble, we don't want to equate equal amounts of protein and meat is the same. Meat is going to have water, meat is going to have fat. Um, so if you remove the fat and the water, there's your protein. So I just want you to think about this. I'm talking about by volume. So if you have a bunch of things in front of you and you want to mush them all together and make your dog food, um, you want 60 to 75% meat by volume. You want 20 to 35% carbs and fiber, which is going to be your vegetables and even some fruits. And then you're going to have 5 to 8% offal. And sometimes I, I would only feed offal about a few times um, a week. Offal is the organs. You can get kidneys, liver, um, anything that's inside the body that a lot of people usually don't eat. Okay? So 60-75% dogs, I'm talking only, um, would be your meat by volume. 20 to 35% is your carbs, a medley. Okay, you definitely want a medley of vegetables and some fruits in there, and then five to ten percent, uh, five to eight percent oval. Cats are obligate carnivores; they need ninety-five percent protein in the diet. Meat, they need ninety-five percent. Okay, so I had a lot of clients who were vegetarians and such, vegans in Chicago, and and I, I'm, you know, I'm the pet's advocate. I have to tell them you cannot make your cat a vegetarian. Maybe they'll survive, but they won't thrive. Growing puppies, obviously they need special attention. The calcium-phosphorus ratio is important. 
Not necessarily how much of each, definitely there's guidelines on that, but the calcium to phosphorus ratio is very, very important. And you do not want to let puppies get fat because if puppies get fat, they have a lot of fat cells and actually they can't get rid of those fat cells. So we don't want to start them early in life because obesity is huge in veterinary medicine, huge. It's very, very sad. Senior dogs need less calories, so you would just decrease fat. And just because your pet is a senior does not mean that you start to decrease the protein. Actually, they waste away and they fade away. So we definitely want protein in their diet and quality is important. Okay? So you need to think about that. Don't decrease. You want to decrease the calories because they're sluggish. They're laying around. They're not doing much. Um, so we don't want them to gain weight. And obviously, lactating and breeding animals, you know, they have different demands on their bodies, and, and that's a whole nother subject. So this is good guidelines. You can make your foods. You can be, you know, go to the grocery store. I always tell my clients, go find things that are look happy to you, and they're bright, and what's in season. And again, you're in control of the ingredients, where you shop and what you do to the ingredients. If you are to feed, um, if you don't cook this medley in these proportions, definitely what you want to do with the vegetables, okay, because your dog is not a cow, so your dog, I know they eat grass, but guess what, they puke it back up, right? So your, your, your dog doesn't have a lot of the enzymes that digest the cellulose wall of the plants. So what you want to do is you want to traumatize the plants, right? That means your vegetables and even some fruits, so, for example, if you put two bananas on the table and you punch one banana, walk away, come back 10 minutes, that ha it has a bruise, right? You started what's called autolysis. Autolysis means the vegetable is actually just going to melt and almost eat itself. But that's perfect because that's what the dog's body then can deal with. So how do we? Do I don't want you to beat up all your vegetables. It'll look kind of silly, but... How you can traumatize it is you can actually just put it in a, you know, chopper, grinder, food processor. Um, you can steam vegetables. Um, when I do crock pot cooking, I put my meat in there. I'll put a carbohydrate, usually sweet potato, um, you know, do a six-hour slow cook, and then I shut it off. And as it's cooling down, then I'll throw the vegetables on top. And my dogs, like, are in heaven. They love it. So... You need to somehow start that autolysis, so that's a good tip, all right? Now, my, my clients ask me what question, a, a question about how, how much do I feed a pet? And, you know, this is a ballpark, but I give them a guideline. So think of a, a, a scale, a spectrum. You have a lazy dog, old dog at one end, and you have a puppy, high-energy puppy at the other end. The old dog is 2%. And the young dog who's active and busy is 10%, meaning 2% of the body weight, you sh ideal body weight, is what you want to feed, okay, by weight, so get a kitchen scale, to the old senior, all right? And then the puppy, you want to feed about 10% of his body weight at that time, as long as it's idea, deal, again, we don't want fat puppies. So there... What we want to do is we want to make sure that that puppy has a lot of food because they have a lot of energy. So the puppy should eat about 10% of his body weight at that time, as long as he looks, looks good. And the senior is about 2%. If he's old, you know, 
couch potato kind of senior. So where do you put your dog? You put your dog somewhere in that scale. Look at your dog. What breed? What do you guys do? Is he an athlete? Is he just, you know, a yard dog? But yard dogs climb trees. They're, they're athletes too. They're busy. They're chasing bunny rabbits or whatnot. So you want to place your dog in between the 2 to the 10%. And again, that's their body weight. 10% of the body weight or 2%. Most of my patients are kind of in the middle. They're about 5%. So that's where you start. And then you watch your dog. You weigh them, you watch them, and you just make sure that they have, the, you know, a good body weight. And I have some YouTube videos out there, and I talk about um, body condition scoring and how you actually can look at your dog and feel your dog and determine if he has the right body uh, condition score. So, so that's out there, and again, have fun on YouTube and look up the Nutrigenomics. So let's dive right into um, raw and what's what back in the day, back in the uh, 90s when I was starting to feed raw, um, the barf diet, it's kind of funny, it's not a good word, but definitely the barf diet um, was, this acronym was created by Dr. Ian Billinghurst, cool guy, met him. Um, I have his books and he's from Australia and um, he, he, pretty much was a pioneer formulating commercial raw foods. He made his own patties, um, wrote a lot of books, uh, just wonderful man. So veterinarian uh, from, uh, from Australia. So the acronym is Bones and Raw Food, okay, uh, Biologically Appropriate Raw Food. Um, he invented the acronym in 1993. He was a pioneer, formulated a lot of uh, commercial raw foods, which he brought to America. I got to meet him, sign my books. He's a wonderful uh, veterinarian. Steve Brown in the United States was the first person to create a raw food commercial diet. Um, and Dr. Becker and I were um, in Illinois, and we'd you know go to these meetings, and we'd meet these people, and we'd buy their books. And actually, Dr. Becker and I are um, were written up in um, doc, uh, Steve Brown's book. He's the author of Sea Spot Live Longer, nice book. And Karen Becker and I um, have testimonials from our clients um, because we're some, you know, just a few veterinarians uh, there in Illinois we're fe- feeding raw. So there's definitely, you know, pros and cons to both just, you know, commercial versus homemade, and then raw versus cooked. Um, your pros are, are, it's very nutritious when you're in control of feeding uh, the, the, the ingredients and nutrients, um, cooking, how you, how you want to prepare the foods, um, and you feel happy because you know that you're, you know, you're feeding real foods just like what you would eat at the grocery store. The cons, obviously, are pathogens. You know, that I'm, there's pathogens everywhere. Um, but just because there's pathogens doesn't mean that every dog is going to get sick. And like I said, I really can just pick out about three cases out of all of the people that I see that have had problems. One was bones. The dog chewed the bones, and they were cooked, unfortunately, which uh, splinters, makes the bone splinter, and he perforated an intestine. And then some others just, 
you know, had some GI difficulties. So what's interesting, you know, the AVMA and, and AHA, which, which is the um, hospital association, you know, they cited evidence of raw meats, poultry, fish, eggs, and dairy, might, they might contain harmful pathogen, pathogens such as salmonella, campylobacter, clostridium, E. coli, listeria, um, staph. You know, yes, we know that these are out there and they're in, in our world as well. And they're afraid that, you know, the, the salmonella is going to be shed in the feces and it's going to get into the environment and the homes and the parks and the public places. Well, they normally shed salmonella. I mean, there's, it's a fact of life that the dogs have this bacteria in, in their digestive tract. So if we want to get rid of salmonella, we'll let, we just might have to get rid of dogs. It's, it's, it's silly. It's very silly. Another thing is, they lick their butt, okay? I'm, I'm saying this frankly, but, you know, I hear veterinarians um, just really yelling at their pay, uh, clients and saying, you can't feed raw, it's dangerous. The dogs lick their butts. So they're getting salmonella constantly. They're getting E. coli constantly. They eat stuff off the ground. They're at the parks They'll eat a carcass. They'll pick something up that Lord knows how long it's been sitting there. They eat their poop. I mean, this stuff is real, people. This is real. And are they infecting themselves? No. Are they dying because they're eating their stool that's been sitting there for three days? No. You know it's loaded with bacteria. So we have to just put everything into perspective, and we can't freak out. Um, we, we have lots of holistic veterinarians out there who can tell you just tons and tons and tons of stories and tons of awesome results of a lot of pets who ha- have had lots of difficulties, lots of chronic illnesses, lots of inflammation. And when we give them real food, again, like that story that I told about my client that was allergic to, the dog was allergic to kibbled chicken, and she fed real chicken, and the dog got All the allergies went away. So we see this day in and day out. So, but the pet food companies, they're big. They have a lot of money. They have a lot of advertisement. They have scare tactics. I know it's out there. There are, but again, even our foods, you know, your your bag of spinach gets salmonella, and they have recalls. They have recalls in the dog food all the time. So it's, we just have to be careful and look up your foods, okay? There's tons of websites out, out there. You can get um, lots of recall announcements. Um, so just pay attention. And then we're going to take a break in a minute, and we're going to talk about some regulations, and this is good, awesome new stuff, awesome new stuff. But it's just our responsibility as practitioners, you as pet owners, we need to do our research. We need to pay attention and because our dogs count on us, okay? We have to feed them what is going to totally benefit them and keep them out of danger and make them extremely healthy. And now we have some new research coming up, so I'm pretty excited about the future. So the food is the foundation of our life. It's the duty for us as pet owners and veterinarians to make them safe. All right, see you after the break.
think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Do you ever have an off day? Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, inspired, and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are tuned in to Pet Panorama with Dr. Julie Mayer. We want to hear from you with your questions, stories, and comments. Please call into the program today at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Send your emails all week to Dr. Julie at petpanorama at gmail.com. That's petpanorama at gmail.com. Now, back to Pet Panorama. All right. Welcome back. So I hope I didn't gross you out too much, but, um, you know, this is, this is reality. We live with our pets, and, and they do these kind of things. So um, just some other, some other reasons why a lot of people, um, not just for health, you know, switch their pets over to raw or home-cooked, um, a lot has to do with the recalls that are going on. And it's, it's sad. It's um, shocking. You know, how do these things happen? Um, and there's hasn't been a lot of regulation out there. Nobody, and, and I mentioned this in the last episode, there's not a lot of policing going on. Um, you know, the, there's the FDA and there's the AFCO, but they're not on foot and inspecting and, you know, um, having pet food companies give them samples and they could run a test, you know, and look for these pathogens or make sure that the quality is there. Um, you know, that melamine scare was huge, huge several years ago. And I, that was a big eye opener for everybody. Nobody can trust the pet food. So, so it's not 
the health reasons are, are great and good enough, but um, definitely I think a lot of people are, are scared and nervous and, you know, they've been on a food for quite some time and then all of a sudden there's a recall and they don't know what to do and it's very confusing. So these are options. And unfortunately, you will get resistance from a lot of general, general practitioners. Um, in vet school, you know, Back in the day, we weren't trained on, uh, I think we had one semester, if even that. And even nowadays, the it, nutrition is the lowest on the totem pole. And, and that's huge. That's the foundation of life. It feeds the cells. And, it, it, you know, garbage is in, garbage out. So I'm surprised that over the 25 years that I've been a veterinarian that, it, it you know, the vet schools have not really changed as much as I would expect. Um, in the MDs as well. So we see that in the human industry. So here's something that's really, really, really scary. And um, I can't disclose any names, so I'll be as discreet as I can. But um, when I was giving a presentation on um, pet food labels and such, um, I found this, I came across this, and this is actually a patent. There's a patent out there, and it is public record. Um, and uh, off the air, you can I can give you the link to it if it's I haven't checked if it's still um, current. But anyway, um, this is public record, so um, it's you know it's not something that I stole and it's not a big secret. Um, but a new uh, a new product is being developed by a food company um, who's owned by Colgate Palmolive. That's all I'm going to give you. Okay. Remember last episode, I gave you all the the large corporate corporations and um, what pet foods they own. So I'll leave it at that. Um, this food company also makes prescription diets. I'll leave it at that. So this company has div- put out there a patent for a method for increasing the shelf life of a physically discrete dry pet food composition by applying polymer film coating to the pet food. Okay, let me repeat that last part. Increasing the shelf life of a physically discrete dry pet food composition by applying a polymer film coating to the pet food. Seriously. So go. you could look this up again. Contact me. I will give you the information to check this out, and that's disgusting. So they're going to spray or coat or how, whatever they're going to do the, to the kibble. They're going to put a f- polymer film coating on the food so it could last longer on the shelf. Lovely. So we're going backwards here with this food company, Right. We're not getting fresher. How can you get fresh if you're going to spray some kind of film on the kibble? Now, did they, what kind of quality do we have here? Again, this is very hard to to measure, but I couldn't even imagine that anything is going to come out of this food. If you're going to spray it so it stays longer, what is it going to do inside the intestines? This is a true patent, folks. It's public. And I can give you the information. So let's move on. So again, this is why a lot of people are starting to not trust pet food companies. And if you, I'm sure they're not going to put that on the label, right? 
They may say, oh, guess what? It lasts, you know, 12 months longer than the six months that regular pet food lasts. And they're probably not going to tell you what they're doing to the pet food. So, there you have it. So, here's some good news, though. Um, the FDA food, they uh, formed an act. It's called the Food Safety Moderniza Modernization Act. And actually, um, it was signed into law by President Obama. And it enables FDA to better protect public health by... And public health also, also means pets. They actually mention animals in here. Um, so better, uh, better protect public health by strengthening the food safety system. Hello. Should have been done a long time ago. It enables FDA to focus more on preventing food safety problems rather than relying primarily on reacting to the problems. So like our recalls. Why should we even have a recall? There shouldn't be a recall. There should have been some red light that went on saying this food is not to go into production. The law also provides FDA with new enforcement authorities. So here's the police. So we got the policing going on. Um, as I mentioned, nobody's out on foot. You know, there's not a lot of regulations or are people following the regulations, but here we go. So it's awesome. You can look this up. This is everywhere. It's called the Food Safety Modernization Act. Um, and it took a long time. So I think Obama signed it in, I think it was 2011. And it took a, a while to actually, you know, create the laws. Um, but now it's going out there in gangbusters. So this is excellent. So, um, the it, the law also gives FDA um, import uh, the law also gives the FDA important new tools to hold imported foods to the same standards as domestic foods. So again, remember what I said? You there's five six different kind of people and businesses that could be involved in that pet food. By the time it gets to your bowl, your dog's dish. Um, some ingredients could be from other countries. They could, and, you know, what are their standards? So this is so cool. They're, even the imported foods are, have to meet the same standards as our domestic food. So that is huge. So see, we're getting on the bandwagon, and it just took, you know, 500 years for all these recalls and people dying of salmonella and, you know, whoever getting sick for them to finally organize um, some of these safety um, groups. So this is awesome. Um, so this is fun. And they're going to, you know, partner with um, the, the country, the states, um, other local authorities. So even, you know, all your states are involved. And actually, Arizona has some, uh, they have some offices here for, uh, food inspection, um, food recalls, things like that. And this this is also public. This is from the AAFCO.org website. You can look up your state, and you could look up um, different offices that will be involved with, you know, food safety and recalls and even investigations, complaints, things like that. So uh, it's pretty fun. So there's lots of people here and their job titles and their contact numbers. So they're readily available. Their phone numbers are here. 
the laboratory. Um, there's a label review specialist. There's an inspection programs. There's compliance specialists, emergencies, investigations. Um, it's pretty cool. So even the state of Arizona has a lot of officials um, that are getting connected with the FDA. So, so this is fun. This is this is going to be a great group. Um, they again, it is. Uh, pet food as well as uh, the human industry. Um, there's going to be testing by accredited laboratories. Records have to be kept. Um, mandated inspection frequencies. Um, safety standards. So this is this is just going to be awesome. Also, what was interesting as I was reading through this, um, they are uh, the FDA can require a mandatory recall. Well, you'd think that that would already be, you know, existing, but actually these pet food companies will do a voluntary recall. So you may hear pet food, you know, uh-oh, somebody has a recall or there's been some deaths of some dogs and they're investigating it. And then it's up to the food companies in the pet world, uh, it's up to the food company to decide, you know, are they just going to um, have the folks send back the batches that were contaminated or, or whatever the, you know, the, the guilty party has done. Um, or, you know, it's, it's, it's totally up to them. Or maybe they'll just sit on it and they'll go talk to where the ingredients came from. And, you know, so this will make the FDA be able to, um, the FDA will be able to make the pet food companies have a mandatory recall. So they can get involved. They can say, hey, listen, we're going to recall everything. We're going to investigate so nobody's buying more. Or, you know, they have a couple of old cans and you don't know what the batch is and all of a sudden, you know, they're going to use those. So so I thought that was kind of good that um, the FDA is going to be out there and be able to um, have mandatory recalls and not just leave it up to the pet food um, company. Again, imports... Um, partnerships with state, local um, organizations. Um, speaking of which, I thought this was kind of fun. I found this, but um, the there is a North American Raw Pet Food Association. Awesome! How awesome is that? Um, uh, pet uh, Melinda Miller is the president, and. Um, and th this association is called the NARPA, so the North American Raw Pet Pet Food Association. Awesome. So different companies, um, different uh, pet food companies, different um, food companies that will make ingredients or the byproducts, especially the byproducts from the human industry. It flows and gets you know um, mixed in with the dog foods and things like that. So. It's great. It's great to have these people get together, talk about things, talk about their experiences, talk about the foods that they're making, um, you know, talk about um, the perils and just organize these groups so that they can stay in contact with the FDA and, you know, state authorities. So I think that this is great. I'm, I'm very excited about this. So um, and then they can have meetings. And talk about lots of good foods and talk about new technology and the nutrigenomics, right? So um, lots of exciting stuff that's going to be coming up. Um, and I hope, um, you know, 
I hope everybody is learning and feeling a little bit better about foods and not feeling guilty about giving your dog a couple of table scraps. You know, I'm not talking about the pizza or the Doritos, right? Um, So eat healthy, share it with your pets, and it feels good to, again, give them, you know, real food and watch how, how much they turn around. I mean, I have just tons and tons of testimonials, and especially the pets with severe chronic illnesses, um, pain, and, you know, cancer. I, it's, it's just great to see them have a better quality life and to turn around. So next, um, what we're going to start talking about is, uh, uh, next episode is supplements. So that's going to be a good episode, and I'm going to just give you some overview of the quality and definitely what the different stages of life uh, should dogs and cats, you know, what kind of supplements would be beneficial for them. And supplements if you're going to feed raw or cooked um, and, you know, if your pets are performance pets. So lots of good stuff about supplements and uh, it's going to be a fun show. So and feel free to call in anytime and during these shows. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of Pet Panorama this week. Be sure to join Dr. Julie Mayer for another edition next Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, enjoy the weekend with your best friend. Thank you.